Welcome, and thank you for listening today. This Caregiver Life podcast focuses on caregivers from all walks of life. Throughout the episode, we will hear from caregivers on the front line, those who do the day-to-day, sometimes hour-to-hour caregiving. We will also hear from care recipients, professionals in the field of caregiving, and other various topics of interest to those living this caregiver life. Hi, Mayor. Hi, Jen. How's it going? Yeah, I was going to say, how's it going for you, too? We both Uh, asked the same question at the same time. We did because we're probably it's probably going the, pretty much the same for us. We're recording this in uh, mid-April 2020, and life is weird right now, especially for caregivers. It is so weird, and um, it's a good check-in for us to do. How are you managing your stress levels right now? Um, I've had I've had a highs where I felt like I was managing it just fine. And then I've had a couple of really low lows where I definitely was not managing it. I had definitely had to lean in um, on my support system, on you, on my partner, um, my cousin, who's a counselor. And think back to all of the coping skills that I've been taught and try to implement them. I definitely had a couple of days last week that were really, really bad. Mm. You feel a little bit better this week? I do. I, I, I did a couple of things to get my life back under control. I got myself organized. I raised the white flag with on some projects that I, I've been working on to try to get some help and reduce my responsibilities. You know, I, I've always worked from home. I've uh, always multitasked my job responsibilities with caregiving, with my personal life. And since everybody's working at home, it seems like the expectations have gone through the roof. Maybe that's because we're in a crisis. Maybe it's the, that I work for nonprofits. I'm not sure, but managing all of that weighed on me. It's a big change in your normal routine. Are we all experiencing that? I mean, we're in our homes. We're not out. We're not shopping. We're not um, accessing entertainment. No, you know, we're not going to the movies. I like to go to concerts. Not doing that. I'm not flying. I'm not. I'm not speaking, which is what I do, and love. And it's you, you know, I'm not able to see certain members of my family, and it's been tough. How about you, Mayor? Yeah, it's been tough. I I miss my family desperately. I miss the grandkids. I miss you know, my grown-up children, I miss them very much. And I miss that I can't go to see them, that even the choice to go see them is taken away from me. I was hoping that we were going to be able to see one of the grandkids for their second birthday, for our second birthday, or that we would spend some time at Easter with her. And so I'm finding all that difficult. And while I do agree that Zoom and FaceTime are really great options, I want to smell her. Oh, yeah. Hold your chubby hand. I do. I want to kiss her little chubby hands and little chubby wrists. And she's a really good hugger. And I I just miss all of that. So, and I'm feeling locked in as as well. And I, I, I think, and I think we've covered this before, but if, you know, I think it's good to repeat it. I, we've, I've managed my life pretty well working at home for quite some time with Tom being diagnosed with ALS in 2010. 
he's been slow in his progression. So I've had the gift of time to prepare. The house is laid out, so I have my own space. I used to call this my office where I'm in right now. And now I call it my studio. I do my yoga in here and meditation. I do writing in here. I do all my photos in here. I run in here. I do all the things in here. And literally on the weekends, I don't come in here except for to run or maybe do a yoga session. But I don't spend all the hours in here. I employ using the porch out front, but I still feel locked in. Cause I just don't have the choice. When I go to the supermarket, I feel an enormous amount of stress. I know a lot of folks have said, well, you know, as a caregiver, you've, you've had an isolating life, lifestyle, even if it's for a short period of time. And that's true, but it's the other stressors. Um, the grocery store for me, it's, it's stressful. It, it's emotional for me. I don't like that our society is to the point where we can't greet each other and be helpful and that there's this fear, you know, you don't know who has it and who doesn't have it. Am I going to get it? And I don't like to be that way. I don't like to be suspicious of people. No, I don't either. And you can't even see when people are smiling because sometimes, you know, like if you're a total stranger, you smile at a total stranger for whatever reason you were moved to, they did something nice, you said good morning to them, or you received the smile in return and it made your day. It made you feel better. Somebody saw you today, right? Well, you kind of really don't get that feeling with masks on. It's, it's weird. And I don't know, it's just a, it's a strange environment. And I, and I shared on my social media, though it's not a public, it's, a, it's just for my friends only, my album of, I called it the COVID-19 album, just, just to try to take some photographs of my surroundings um, during this, right? So I'm not in the hot spot. I'm not in healthcare, but this is our life during COVID-19. And we, I see some progression in Tom that's a little uncomfortable for me. I see more paralysis happening in that he's not making the connection from his brain to his limbs to do something, to move something, mm. to talk things more. He couldn't get his foot out of the way in time and he was closing the closet door yesterday and he crashed into his foot and he's fine. Um, but if he's not fine, then that's a problem. That's a lot of concern if he breaks an arm, um, you know, if he goes down, he's going to break it on probably, or he, or he could hit his head and die right there. That's not unknown in ALS. When you fall, you fall hard. And you often hit your head and have a bad brain bleed. And, you know, those are the things people don't like to talk about, right? Because everybody wants to talk about this, this weird idea of hope, you know? <laughs> and I, it's an, it's an uncomfortable topic. Not for me. I live it all the time. Um, and I could see on my Facebook post today that it made people a little bit uncomfortable mm -hmm. that I posted it. And that's okay. I mean, I, I don't post any pictures of, of him looking sick or diseased. Or no, whatever. it was, you were respectful of Tom and his, and the challenges of this, but it was informative. Yeah. It's like, so we quarantining, but you know what? ALS doesn't quarantine. So it's still progresses. Mm -hmm. And we do care so much about finding a vaccine, finding a treatment for COVID-19. And we fear in the ALS community that those efforts are gonna to come to a slowdown on research for that for this terminal disease in which you die just as horrifically as you die from COVID-19, maybe just not as fast. You just suffocate longer, you know? Mm. So, so those, are, those are very real and they really, they hit me hard 
and I, I had to take a little time. I felt some burnout from the worry. I don't find the burnout from caregiving per se. I mean, not at this point. I have, but I think emotionally I felt burnt out, burnt out, and so I, I did something different. I got out of my office today. I, I put I took my sweater off finally, but it was a little chilly out on the front porch. I took all of my things out on the front porch, and I kept moving my Adirondack chair to where the sun was. <laughs> wherever that space was i had water with me i had my phone with me my computer with me i have a book that I'm, i need to read for my yoga mindfulness certification called when things fall apart so very apropos i think and i picked up some really interesting little tidbits in there that i can apply to my life and, and my practice um and i i had a little snack out there and I have my camera out there, so it's photographing some of the kids riding by on their bikes, you know? Um, like one of them had on shorts and cowboy boots and she had little spots well, on her bikes. That was what I did to relieve myself from the stress today. It's funny that you brought up smiling and sunshine because there's actually some physiology behind both of those things. Um, you, you hit on a key point. We're not seeing people smile at us. And when we see a smile, Oftentimes we'll smile ourselves and the act of smiling actually, um, it triggers your brain to produce a hormone. It's a uh, dopamine, right? So it also produ produces uh, endorphins and some serotonin and all this goes in the blood. And all of those things that are produced simply by smiling, dopamine, endorphins, serotonin, they all help us relax. They lower our heart rate a little bit. They help our blood pressure. So what, what's happening to us right now, we're all inside, we're around our people, we're fearful that we may catch this, our loved ones may catch this, we didn't, maybe our bank accounts are draining from the stock market, all these things are happening. And so our heart rate is up, our blood pressure is up, and we aren't smiling, and so now those are con keeping contributing. And so I'm glad that you brought that up, and the, and the physiology behind sunshine behind chasing that light with your Adirondack chair is so very similar um, sunlight is is thought to actually increase the the brain serotonin and serotonin is boosts our mood it's what help us helps us focus mm -hmm. and stay calm and without sunshine our serotonin levels dip and it's harder for us to focus and stay calm and so I hope that you smiled when the kids rode by on their bikes and you were in the sunshine. I was thinking the same thing happened to me. Um, some children in my neighborhood have painted rocks and left them out and then they made a, a rainbow sign for their window. And then today I walked the dogs and they had taken sidewalk chalk and they, I know what they were trying to write, but they forgot a word. And what they did write was, let's all well. <laughs> let's all well. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> let's all well. That's a beautiful thing for kids to do. We, we can learn a lot from children. One of and them was okay. riding a bike, flying a kite at the same time. And I haven't seen that since the 80s. Oh, you could have taken, did you take a little video of them? I bet that was great. If they go by again, I'll, I'll snap it because it was yeah. just... I needed that. I, I got mired down in the ugliness of 
isolation and anxiety and I've, I'm out of it and you helped me and I've, I've got some other things in place, but man, you need to see some things that are happy. You do, you do. And there is, there is happiness that happens around us. We, you know, we need to see it. I, whenever I go food shopping and I go once a week, so I go Friday mornings, it's like a big day around here on Friday. <laughs> We've made it, we've becoming our new normal, you know, our new routine. So I go food shopping on Friday. I don't exercise at all on Friday, no yoga, no running. Um, just my day for my body to rest. I do the cleaning of the house. I run over to, I make a pancakes for breakfast. And when I go food shopping, I always pick up a flower, a bucket of flowers that I'm gonna plant in my garden. I hired a new person to do my lawn, really nice guy taken a lot for me to, I'm not very good at letting people go who have done work for us. And I, it is true, I do hire people. That's like part of, um, prevents me from having more caregiver burnout than I really would. I used to do all the gardening myself. And somebody asked me once, I posted a photo of the garden. I usually post a photo every year of the garden. And it's been destroyed from the hurricanes we've had. So it's been all ripped apart and redone and there's not much in there right now. But somebody had asked me a couple of years ago if that was my self-care and I was like, nah, I don't like gardening actually. <laughs> I just, it's not, it's laborious for me. But right, for me, I love it. Ah, so much work for me. I love the results. It's so hard for me to do. And I still, Tom still laughs at this. Like we, one time, like, four years ago, I was like laying like I was dead out in the backyard. I almost passed out, it was like 95 degrees. My thyroid was really wonky for a couple of months there. So like my temperature was off, everything was just really weird. And I like swore after that, I'm just gonna hire people to do some of this stuff before it kills me, you know? <laughs> I'll die before Tom. So that's one of the things I do. And I know that that's not an easy thing for people to do, especially now when finances are tight, but if there's things that you can let go, let them go. Yeah, I agree with that. And um, I, I'm also, I'm, you know, I'm helping my, my son and his partner out right now, get some things organized and they, they've got a email inbox overload. And you know that I'm a proponent of email bankruptcy. I think most of those things will come back. Um, even if it just means archiving them instead of deleting them so you can do a search and still find them. Uh, mm -hmm. But that's, that's a quick tactic that I remembered when I was having stress and my email was all crazy. I was like, I could just archive this stuff and then search for it when I need it. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's important to, we, we all know some of the causes right now, especially during the COVID outbreak, right? Like there's, mm -hmm. We have lack of control over what's going on. We have less privacy if we're if we're quarantining or or staying in place with with loved ones who normally leave to go to work or leave to go to school, right? So we uh, there's a lot of unreasonable demands on time. You know, you may have kids who are on Zoom with their teacher, and your boss wants to have a Zoom at the same time, and you were trying to do a telehealth appointment, and the only available time was when the other two things were happening. Um, that's all just crazy. Uh, unreasonable demands and then and then comes in the 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 things that we there's no there's no spot for like Tom's progression with his disease you know and his paralysis working like you can't plan for that no. you, 
your brain has to accommodate for it, but it's stacked in onto all these things. So we, I think we can easily identify the causes of caregiver burnout or compassion fatigue, however you want to refer to it, stress. Um, but I also think it's important for us to know the signs. So I didn't know the signs the first time that I experienced very deep anxiety and depression um, about seven, eight years into my brother's being wounded. I, I had shouldered everything. I didn't tell anybody how it was making me feel. I, I, I thought, well, I'll, I, I can't be selfish. I don't want to tell people like how angry I am that I don't have control over my own life or I've given up all these things or I thought my life was going to look a certain way. I didn't talk to anybody about that. And it ultimately led me to a very dark place where I contemplated suicide. And thankfully, someone who was trained in suicide awareness um, recognized some of the things I was saying as a, as a warning sign that I might be thinking about harming myself and intervened on my behalf. Um, and after the aftercare that I got really taught me about not only taking care of, of my anxiety and my stress, but also recognizing when I need help. So that in the future, you know, we don't, there's no magic pill to make it go away. I mean, yoga is great and meditation is great. All those things are great, but we, we still may experience great periods of stress and anxiety. So, you know, I, I want people to know that insomnia is a sign, irritability that you've never experienced before or, or irrational thoughts about, about something that, that you're normally very stable with, right? Um, mood swings, health problems. Mm -hmm. um, you and I have talked before about the fake heart attack that a lot of caregivers get, you know, the angina, whatever, however your doctor may refer to it. Some people get a shortness of breath and yeah, exhaustion. You get sweaty and you're kind of really just not dealing with it. Yeah. No, so physical, uh, physical signs, mental health signs, um, I, re I can remember before I got help for a couple of years, people would ask me how I was and I would always say, I'm exhausted, I'm exhausted, I'm exhausted. And so I want people to understand the signs. And then, of course, there are ways to get help. And I, I was hoping maybe you would share, share some of the ways that you have gotten help or that you know other folks have gotten help for their caregiver stress. Well, that's interesting because, um, so... So for me personally, the way I get, I, I like band-aid myself together a lot, which is true. I lean on you. I lean on my network. I lean on Tom. Um, I keep myself as physically healthy as I can. Lesson learned with that. That was, that was a very uh, difficult lesson for me to learn. I got myself really sick over the years. Um, so I, I keep on top of that. We, Tom and I share the same primary care doctor, which helps us a lot. It was a risk I took. It might not have turned out well because maybe that person, that doctor, I mean, they're human too. So maybe, maybe they wouldn't be insightful and see, see this as a gift to have us to there and working with us as a, as a couple. Um, he sees us separately. I mean, I have into appointments with Tom, but then he sees me separately so we can deal with my issues and talk about important things. So I don't expect anybody to be able to do that right now, but that is definitely a strategy that I've employed. But I, I, you also have to be willing to get care in the home. That is, that is a really huge part of it. And I had shared with you the other day that I was watching an episode of New Amsterdam. It's one of my favorite shows. You know, I was in healthcare management for a few years. 
and I still I still a little bit pine for that. I love the busyness and the activity of that job, and so I I'm really attracted to that show. And we'll put a link in our show notes for anyone that's not um, that isn't currently watching New Amsterdam. We'll share that with you so that you can find it. Um, Obviously, in this day and age, we're all Huluing and on-demanding and Netflixing, and we'll make sure that you can find the find this great series. So I did a little. There was a little backstory, or like one of the little side stories, I guess you call it. Um, it wasn't a main thrust of the program, but there was a, was a woman who has cancer, an older woman who has cancer, and um, her husband is taking care of her, and she was always the one who did all the things for him. They're an older couple. Um, and, and so as she was recovering from, well, she was having chemotherapy, the doctor came in, looked at her leg and found a, like an ulcer on her leg. And the husband felt terrible because he missed it, which we can miss things as caregivers, especially when there's this whole body care that needs to be done. Mm. She really couldn't walk by herself. She was very weak from the chemotherapy and from the cancer. And the doctor came in, brought her down to the emergency room and said, let's get this fixed and see what's going on. And then the doctor gave a real good talk about respite care and how important it is. And she researched a, a place for, for the, this patient to go for two months so that he could take care of himself. It was a very poignant moment. It was very difficult for him because he felt very much like this is a criticism of the care that I've been giving and I do everything for her and I want to do everything for her. She's taking care of me all of these years. And then she looked at him and said, but I need for you to take care of yourself too. And that's not happening. And so, you know, the whole idea is somebody else can do the bathing. Somebody else can do the dressing, the brushing of the teeth, all of the activities of daily living, helping with food, making sure that somebody's in, so that he can come in, well rested himself, and spend more quality time with her, and see what two months does for him. And it was just this tiny little piece, but like as a caregiver, I was so zoned into that because we've had those conversations here. I bring up those conversations here. When Tom needs more care, we must have more help. I'm not a one woman show. I can't do it all by myself. And it scares me to think of it, to think you, of that future. You wanna be the hand holder though. You wanna you want be the person that's next to him, reassuring him, loving him. And if you don't get help, you will be the person doing all of the medical attending and all of the, all of the physical part of caregiving and what we really need as disease progresses or when we're in end of life situations is what we really need for b both of you really need is that is the love more than anything else. Exactly. And I think you need to pick and choose, which is what I think a lot of people are seeing now. Non-caregivers are probably seeing as well as caregivers are feeling that impact even more the choices that we make. What can I let go? And what do I want to do? What do I want to take on? So maybe for me, and I, I don't have the answer to this right now, but maybe for me, I want to be the one to bathe Tom, to give him the shower, to do that intimate moment to have with him. That's just him and I. Maybe that's important. Maybe it's too much work for me to do it all by myself. So maybe that's an idea in my head that's going to go away. But there has to be a lot of flexibility and thought. What's important to you? It's really important to me to maintain my health. So that's going to be exercise. 
Um, and so whatever that means, however I build that into the day, it's likely I'll need somebody to be supervising Tom because he needs to go to the bathroom or something when he's more paralyzed. So, you know, I think that it's the choices we make and we as caregivers, we must give that some consideration in order to relieve some of the stress from ourselves. Because if we don't, we're going down to really bad places for us. For me, I think, um, you know, now being a caregiver for well over 15 years and understanding the toll that it takes on me, um, I want to be around other caregivers. I want to network with them. I need them to be my support structure, but mm -hmm. I need, I need those caregivers to be at least open to stress management techniques. I cannot have that network be comprised of folks who are still in the, in the struggle stage. Um, that where they aren't, uh, identifying the causes, recognizing the signs, using the tips to reduce their stress. I, I, I need to surround myself with folks who at least are on board with it. Maybe they're not executing, right? <laughs> but they at least want that in their life. So they, they want to try to do whatever kind of management they can. That may sound really selfish. But what I found is when, when I have other people in my life that don't get it, don't get stress management, it adds to my stress. You know, that's, that's such a great point. And I, and I see, you know, some of our fellows with the, you know, for our, if you're a new listener, Jennifer and I are Elizabeth Gold Foundation fellows of this caregiver organization that, you know, advocates for us as caregivers. And we're, we're pretty big on the advocating side. I see some of the new fellows that come, come in in the last year, are very good at being that person for people for newer caregivers like you're talking about yeah. but you it's not and i don't think it's a bad thing to feel i think it's great that you say that because it's true and i felt that in my last job like so i was teaching and then i worked for a nonprofit. well the nonprofit i worked for i i think years ago would have been perfect for me but i no longer want to do that myself i and i it's more like you're more empowered now and you haven't outgrown that, but you've just moved beyond where you can be helpful. It's draining yeah. to be with new caregivers all the time. Yeah. I recognize, um, I could be a mentor at a first certain period of time and then I, I need to back away from it or I won't be a good mentor. Right. Um, and I think, uh, in that episode of new Amsterdam that you're talking about, is it, um, is the star, is his name, uh, Ryan Eggold? He plays yes. Dr. Max Goodwin. Yes, and that, but it was not him. It was, I have to, I'll look her up while we're talking. Because um, in that episode, they touched on, the reason we're talking about it is they touched on caregiving from two sides. So they touched on it from the side of the person that's, you know, ex starting to experience caregiver burnout and the, and why, and, and, and went through all the emotions behind it, right? Because there's so much guilt involved with that and for yeah. some of us. He had to be on his game and I'll find his name. It's not coming up too easily because he's new. Oh, so he was, so this is, we're two or three seasons into New Amsterdam now, I think. Uh, yeah. Um, and so his, what's important to him is to exercise and then to be able to take a shower after he exercises. And then if he needs a nap, if he's tired and he's not, 
he's not doing surgery, he wants to be able to take that nap and he, and he looks for protein-based snacks and he can get them out of the uh, snack machine, you know. <laughs> so let's see. This well-adjusted man who is now uh, also a love interest on the show mm -hmm. gives himself time for grooming, mm -hmm. uh, eats well, and takes naps. He rests. Okay, his name is... Um, oh, he was from uh, Hawaii, if I bet. I love it. Also... Daniel Day Kim. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. I yeah, and I recognize him now too. Well, so he's Dr. Shin. Is his mm -hmm. name. Dr. Dr. Shin. So Dr. Shin has figured out some simple things. Take care of your body, mm -hmm. exercise, shower, all that. Diet. Your diet needs to be good and you need to get some rest. And they had to do this this unbelievable surgery that was trauma. So everybody was getting sick in the ER. There was some kind of um, there, was a, there were these pre-filled morphine injections that were double the dose and people were getting really sick and they were getting, you know, they were going into heart attacks and all this kind of stuff. So they didn't have room to do this surgery of this guy who had this big metal piece in his stomach. Mm. So he said, okay, well, we'll go. Oh, and they had the other part of the hospital was, was uh, the ICU was all cordoned off. Couldn't go in there because of the virus. Um, they were alluding to the virus. Mm -hmm. And so he, he took the EMTs and he said, listen, we can make this an operating room. We've got to get this out of this guy. So they go into the EMTs guy, they, and she, and Dr. Helen goes there with them. And they do this amazing, he does this amazing surgery. And then, then they have to take out all these little pieces that are in there. And so they, she does it with them and they do it together. And she's like, unbelievably impressed with what he's done. And he said, because of my self-care. That this is why I do my self-care for these moments, right? And that and it's such a it's such an important piece, right? So you put together the, the caregiver respite that's needed and the self-care piece. And it's really an amazing episode because it speaks to us so well. If we're not doing what's important to me is not important to you, right? What gets me through the day, what makes me healthy, what makes me feel good, is not the same as what it is for Jennifer. We're two different people. So whatever it is that drives us to feel more like a whole person, mm -hmm. that is what we have to bring to our game as caregivers. And when we don't do that, we start chipping away at our own health. We are going to suffer. When we suffer, the people we care for will suffer. We won't love as well. I think that's really probably the biggest message. It's not that we won't care as well, like, okay, I'll still put your socks on. I'm gonna put them on the same I did every day, but maybe I'm gonna shove your feet into the socks. So I'm just a little irritated today. So we're not gonna love as well. And when we're caregivers of family members, it's really the love that brings us to the table, right? Because yeah. I could walk away from my marriage. So you could, I mean, you, there's People no point, do. Right? you didn't have to care for your brother. You say, hey, listen, you're an adult, find somebody else to take care of you. The VA will do it. You're a, you're a war vet, the VA do all the things, right? So we bring love to the table. And when we can't fully love, because we haven't taken care of who we are and ourselves, then it's not that we fail, we're just not doing the job that we know we can do. And it's not even a job, we're just, we're just not being as good as we can. We're not bringing wholeheartedness to the table. 
I think that's what that whole show meant to me. I would really like for the producers and the writer to know that. Can we bring them in on an episode? Well, I'll try to tag them. I will definitely look up the producer and the writer on the show. And I think it's worth noting that New Amsterdam actually ran an episode they hadn't planned to because they had produced an episode about a pandemic. And so we got to meet Dr. Shin in an episode that wasn't planned. And art imitates life, right? Okay, we've all know that saying. And this show is the perfect example of it. I don't know the writers. I, I'm going to reach out to them and see if we can have a conversation. But um, they must know something about caregiving because this whole episode had just oozed themes of take care of yourself. Don't avoid compassion fatigue. And if you have it, treat it. Do the things. A lot of times I think caregivers see other caregivers that are taking care of themselves and they resent them a little bit there may be some jealousy and they may not understand that that caregiver is doing that because they know is how they keep the love going. Mm -hmm. And I also think that they um, tend to think that we have it more together than we do. <laughs> There's only so much that you're going to reveal publicly, right? Like I'm not going to write on Facebook every single day where that's where I know most of the people in my life now because I am home alone a lot. Um, and have been for years. Social media is a good outlet for me, but I'm not going to wear my heart out there on social media posts all the time. It's not who I am. If it's somebody, if it's who somebody else is, that's who they are. But because you only see photos of Tom painting, you don't see the progression, right? But that's just what I choose to share because I like that. I think actually, if you're really looking at it, you're seeing that he's tenacious. You're seeing that he doesn't give up easily if you're really looking at that. Um, and I, I just think that, you know, what people are seeing us as we, as we really, they're not seeing us as we really are. And that none of us do though, who does? And I also think that seeing Tom as tenacious and a fighter is the same as when people see my brother and they're like, he's so independent and he's, yeah. you know, doing so great. And the reason for that, for both of them is because they have, they, they have a natural personality and drive and they have a great caregiver that supports them in, in having that attitude. And that's the difference. And if we didn't take care of ourselves, we wouldn't be supporting their efforts with their own health. Yeah, I mean, didn't you have moments over, I know you had to over the years, like I had moments when I thought, I just can't do this anymore. Is this all my life is going to be? I mean, I've been a caregiver for Tom since I was 33 years old. 27 years, that's a really long time. And I had those moments over the years, which we, you know, we, can, we, have, we have as many episodes as we want on this trigger of a life, right? So we, we could examine those things at some other point, but I have to really dig back to see how I recovered from some of those things, you know? But I just know in general that the place that I got to today is knowing that if I don't, if I don't do the things that are good for me to do, I'm not good for Tom. Yep, I've definitely found that place um, in my life, and, I, and it, it was around the same time that I was feeling the horrible burnout, and so then I was feeling guilty for not being the best caregiver I could be, and I was feeling guilty for not being the best me I could be, and the solution to all of that was taking care of myself, and it's still the solution today when I, I don't want to say fall, but when, when I ebb, <laughs> you know, we, we all ebb, and we all have tides and, and in those moments, I have to recognize what the most important thing to do is. And yeah. 
I hope our listeners who are caregivers will start recognize that, recognizing that in themselves. I would invite you to leave us questions if, you're, if you are looking for ways to manage those signs of stress. Um, we can certainly help point you towards some resources. Mary and I have uh, amassed uh, quite, the, quite the hub of resources in our, in our caregiving years, and we're, we'd love for you to let us know how we can help you in that way. We will share them with everybody on our social media channels. And where can, where can people find us on social media, Mayor? Oh, they can find us uh, on Facebook at This Caregiver Life. They can find us on Twitter at This Caregiver, since we have shortened characters on Twitter. They can find us on Instagram. I always say that, like, I don't know. It's not been my best thing with this, the Instagram. <laughs> we, we're still know. looking for caregivers to do a takeover. You're, they're invited. Yeah, you're invited. You can do, you can help us do a takeover. You can send us photos of what you're doing during COVID-19. Anything. Well, maybe I'll share the one of Tom's closet, that stuff that fell off the closet on there. And you can find us at thiscaregiverlife at gmail.com. And we would love for you to, wherever you get your podcasts, listen to us, leave us a message, give us a five-star rating if you like us, um, and send us questions or issues that you want us to cover. Or let us know if you want to be a guest. Yeah, let us know, and um, we we uh, we're definitely looking for ideas for future shows. So, I mean, if something as simple as seeing a TV show and causing you to think about caregiving and burnout, um, let us know. We'll we'll if you don't want to be a guest, we'll feature your idea on a future show. And Mayor, I have some exciting news. What's that? We are nearly at two thousand listeners. No, what do we, we have? Are. I, uh, I can't believe it myself. Uh, we're, at, we're currently recording episode 35, um, but it's hard to believe where we started and where we are now. So what I like to ask everybody who's listening and loves us, if you wouldn't mind to share us with a caregiver in your life or somebody that, that supports caregivers, um, we'd sure like to hit that 2000 mark. And if you can give us a five-star review on, um, on Apple iTunes, that, that, gets more people seeing our podcast. So that would be super helpful too. Yeah, that would be great. Thanks, Jen. I, I forgot that we were getting close to 2000. It's, it's crazy. It's oh. crazy. Well, I've been doing this a little more than a year. I mean, and it, you know, I don't know how long we'll do this. I don't know what the future of it holds, but I like the progression and I like the feedback that we've gotten from our listeners. And um, we're going to have some monthly sponsors again, just like we did with TBI Warrior Foundation for March for Brain Injury Awareness Month. Um, but we're probably on pause with that right now while we wait for the, the COVID-19 pandemic to, to flatten and then, and then start to go drift away. And um, of course, I'm saying that thinking of Dr. Of Dr. Briggs's graphs that we see on yeah. <laughs> on the news briefings, but um, as as things start to go back, I don't want to say to normal, but as things as we start to open up and move forward, we'll have another sponsor and we'll start highlighting um, some of those national awareness and advocacy efforts because we know that that means a lot to our listeners. Mm -hmm. I agree. Good point, Jen. Thanks, Mayor. <laughs> <laughs> all right well i guess this is a wrap for episode 35 hard to believe i appreciate all our listeners out there don't forget us on social media and uh until next time
Until next time.